you're listening to Reba Radio, the podcast. From 18th to the 26th of November 2021, our annual inclusion festival took the form of a dedicated radio station broadcast live from the bookshop at the Reba's HQ in London, with me, Marsha Ramroop, the Director of Inclusion at the RIBA, hosting the discussions. Reba Radio, the podcast, is the speech-only content from that radio station, themed and edited for your easy consumption. We suggest you make your way systematically through all episodes from the intro to the end to help you effectively on your inclusion journey. We hope you enjoy it and find it useful and applicable. I am feeling, I'm feeling the feels right now because we have got an absolutely brilliant, stellar group of people to talk to about motivation and digging deep and finding uh, what you need to find to persist and to be confident when 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 things maybe aren't so great and, and really then still excelling and, and getting the outcome that you need. Uh, first up, we have Majid Majid. He's a Somali British activist and politician who served as Lord Mayor of Sheffield a couple of years ago. You may well remember his appointment it was like everyone heard about it. it was all over the press all over the media um, because of all the firsts that he embodied when he got that role and a personal story that I hope that we'll hear from Tom Young amazing amazing athlete won gold medal in the men's 100 meters t38 event at the Tokyo Paralympics and Sammy Kinghorn multi gold medal winning wheelchair athlete. Welcome to you all to Reba Radio. Thanks so much uh, for joining me uh, to, to, to talk about this. If I can start with you, Majid Majid, um, do I always have to say your name twice or can I just call no, you Majid? Just Majid is fine. <laughs> it's like Beatrice, Beatrice Carly. I wasn't quite sure. Um, so like when, when you think about overcoming difficulty and overcoming you know that sometimes you know when when life is tough what is what do you draw on when you're trying to overcome difficulty um i guess for me it's just also just knowing that it's and you can't do everything by yourself and honestly like it's people like of course hard work is important we all kind of really need to work hard but hard work alone doesn't get you far enough like i'm thankful to like I mean my mother who made sacrifices friends who grounded me people of Sheffield and Yorkshire that voted for me and just people that kind of just generally support me kind of thing so it's just um yeah it's just kind of just understanding that of course there's always and having to believe in myself first fundamentally kind of like because if no one like if I'm not if I don't believe in myself how do I expect other people to really believe in me and kind of get behind me as well that's a really, really good point. And and Tom, believing in yourself when you're when you're at the start of that race, how much of that is important when you need to have dig deep and find the motivation to to push through what might be a difficult day? I think it's just really important, you know, to uh, always know that when you're on the line, that you're on there, you're on the track to win you know because if you think you're not going to win there's a good chance you won't win so it's just about knowing that your capabilities and that you're on the track for a reason and yes really just always believing in yourself is key to succeeding 
Sammy, um, you weren't, you haven't been using a wheelchair all your life. Uh, so this was quite a significant change for you. Um, in, when, it ter- when we, we talk about motivation and, and thinking about, OK, major life changes and how to overcome them, how did you navigate what was quite a, a significant life change? Yeah, um, so I was only 14 um, when I had my accident. And I think for me, a lot of people were like, gosh, you're so young, that must have been so difficult. But I believe that because I was only 14, it was that little bit easier um, because I didn't have all the added extras that a lot of my patients that were, a lot of people that I was in hospital with that were adults had, you know, like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? I'm going to be in hospital for six months, whereas I was 14. All I really had to worry about was, I'm getting six months off school. I probably need to think about catching up at some point. Um, but, you know, I think for me, it was, it was the hardest thing was the acceptance of that things are changing and I'm a little bit different. And yeah, that's obviously, that's difficult at 14 because um, everything you care about is very, very superficial. And I guess losing the use of your legs is a very superficial thing. And you notice it quite a lot. So yeah that was probably the hardest thing was just trying to accept and get over that how deep did you have to dig and maybe those around you to manage this life change um for me I think because um I had nobody to blame but myself my accident was completely my fault I put myself in a position that I should never have done and unfortunately I did involve my, my father so for him that was horrific and it it took a very long time for him to get over that um, because of course you never ever want to hurt your daughter ever and especially the condition I was in for the first few months was not something I'm sure my dad ever wanted to see me in and for him trying to accept how my life was going to change um, until I found sport he was terrified he had no idea what my life was going to lead and for me I was so lucky I had friends and family that like they boosted me my friends were amazing because obviously there was times where I was just kind of like, I just want to be around people that are the same as me. I don't want to be around able-bodied people because I just, I just, I didn't want to always drag them down. That's how I felt. My friends were constantly like, no, no, you know, if there's a party in the top floor flat, we'll get you there. If there's a party in the middle of the field, we'll get you there. And they always made me feel really involved. And I think that was how I felt as integrated as possible. Sammy, do you mind sort of a context, just explaining a bit about your accident, what actually happened? Yeah, of course. Um, it was a second December 2010, and it doesn't um, seem like that long ago at all. It genuinely seems like last year. I can remember everything like it was yesterday. And um, I there was more snow than I'd ever seen before in my life. My best friend was stuck at my house, um, which was great. We missed our um, prelim exams because they were all cancelled because of snow, which was also great. I was having the best time of my life. Um, Helped my dad on the farm. My dad's a farmer, so it's incredibly hard all hours all around the clock and uh, I was getting out and helping him which is something that I love and still to stay still love to do um my dad was driving in a forklift and I started as an annoying 14 year old started to walk in front of him and just kind of put him off his job um and for some reason I don't know why I thought it'd be a good idea to jump onto park forklift something that I've never done before I was always taught that machinery has no mercy for human life and you do not touch it you don't go near it you don't climb on it and I decided to climb on it thinking that my dad had seen me and it became very clear very quickly that my dad hadn't and he um he crushed me with the bucket and which uh yeah left me paralyzed from the waist down 
So in terms of trying to, to manage all of those emotions and try to move forward with, with, with your life, there's quite, there was quite a lot for you all to have to deal with. Yeah, there was, you know, obviously it took a long time to kind of, for me, it was, it was weird because I, um, I knew straight away that I could walk and I knew that straight away I kind of, um, I guess, I think the way I was brought up, you know, my mum and dad worked a lot and my dad was always there, but somewhere on the farm. And um, I learned quite young that anything that I do has repercussions. And so I was just kind of like, well, this is my fault. I need to deal with the repercussions. And I think people are always like, that's a very mature way to think of it. But that's just how I was brought up because I spent a lot of time um, just like in the house on my own or finding my dad on the farm. So, you know, if there was anything I'd done wrong, I had to learn about repercussion. And I just knew, I just kind of like, well, this is my fault. But I didn't realize that I was going to be, um, I'd never met anyone in a wheelchair. So I didn't actually realize that I was going to be in a wheelchair. I genuinely believed for the first three weeks that I was going to be stuck in bed forever, which is ridiculous. You know, I should have known all about disability and what would have happened. And I should have, I should have seen that more. And I genuinely believed for the first three weeks that I was going to be stuck in bed for the rest of my life. And I'd almost come to terms with that. So the day that my wheelchair was brought to me, like the smile on my face, because for me, that was so much better than being stuck in bed forever. I, mean, I was like, yeah, I can get out of bed. I can go around. I can move around. I can go and see my friends. Fine. Yeah. What's the problem? I just can't stand up and put one leg in front of the other. Um, and, it, you know, I, I, I was I was I was quite strong about it all. You know, meeting loads of people in the hospital was totally fine. Um, I love meeting new people. And it wasn't really until I got home. I remember the first time I actually cried. Um, was probably about a year after my accident and this time I'm, I'm coming up for 16 years old and we're going out to a party and I put a pair of heels on and my, my ankles just like flopped to the side and it was the first time where I really realized that I was different it was something that I couldn't do that my friends were doing so easily um, and I remember that was the first time I genuinely started crying and I was just like this is so annoying and then you know my friends got around me we went shopping we found a pair of like smaller heels and block heels and then it was just kind of like right I can't do everything the same but there's always a way around it and I can that that's how kind of how I live my life now I might not be able to do it the same way but there will be a way mm. I can do it and imagine um there is something in that that's sort of taking personal responsibility and acknowledging um your role to play when trying to do things differently and you know your book uh, The Art of Disruption um, is, is behind me here on the Reba bookshop where we're broadcasting from and and that sense of that taking personal responsibility for your own journey. Yeah 100% it's um, and as well it's like I guess from our point of view as well it's it was of course taking responsibility but it's also giving space to other people as well basically because it's I'll be honest with you like in, in terms of my role and position it wasn't like I know as much as it is to be celebrated like the first person to do this first person to do that but it shouldn't like I shouldn't have been the first in all honesty like especially in a city like Sheffield as diverse as it is I shouldn't have been the first person so for me it was also really important that and I kind of support other people I've kind of just got this saying where I kind of believe like we've got two hands, one to climb up with and the other to lift people up as we're climbing. So for me, I'd always kind of like and mentor a group of 10 young people all the time, support other people to get elected in different positions in Sheffield City Council and stuff. So it was, yeah, just taking that responsibility and knowing that basically it's just, yeah, it's, it's great that basically you've taken on these role positions, but it's like, but what are you going to do with it kind of thing? And more importantly, how you actually, go, how are you going to, use this privilege that you've been given to actually have an actual impact 
Cultural intelligence is the capability to work and relate effectively with those who are different from you. And this is the overarching theme of this radio station. It's the behavioural framework that allows us to consciously create those procedural changes to mitigate the influence of hidden bias. And research has proved, it's proved that in order to be successful at working with those who are different from us, we need to have these four key capabilities, which are drive, knowledge, strategy, strategy and action. And Reba Radio is focusing on promoting diversity and inclusion within the architecture profession underpinned by these uh, key themes. And CQ Drive, the motivational CQ, is uh, the level of a person's interest, persistence and confidence to function with those who are different from them. So being inherently motivated in yourself and curious and wanting to actually work and relate effectively with those who are different from you is a really key first step and we're looking for inspiration on how to do that uh, with people who all know very much about digging deep um, in order to perform in order to be their best and in in order to help others and that's Majid Majid Tom Young and Sammy Kinghorn Tom if I can come to you and when it comes to performance uh, on the track um, when when you're having a bad day uh, when you just don't feel like it when you're when you have to get up early to go to the track and it's still dark outside. Uh, how, how do you cope with that? <clears throat> I think, you know, in the past like year and a half with the pandemic, especially at the start, you know, when there was no tracks open, no gyms open, and we had to train on our own every day without our coach, without nobody there, having to, having to wake up, you know, and go out there and do your session was harder because, Personally, I love training in my big group. So being by yourself and doing those long, tough, hard sessions were harder. So you just had to wake up really and, you know, and still try and, and still try and enjoy it. Luckily, I still managed to, you know, love doing what I was doing. But sometimes it was, you know, difficult, you know, having to, you know, wake up, you know, and literally get out. Luckily, I live near a big field so I could go and do my sessions and, just as like just about as normal as I would have done as I would have as I would have done back in on the track. But yeah, it was harder. But I just think it's all about, you know, just trying to stay motivated, you know, and knowing that Tokyo still was going to happen the following year. It's just about looking into the future and knowing that the thing you want to work towards is still going to happen. It's just going to take a bit longer. And um, I know quite a few athletes, you know, probably felt the same way I was feeling you know so it was normal and it was just about trying to overcome how you was feeling and still getting all of the sessions done for the future. So for you sort of having that long term or that future goal about what you could achieve uh, at Tokyo if you put in the work now was was a good motivator for you? Yes yeah, certainly because because of the we are Paralympians, we always like have a four-year cycle. So even though that four-year cycle got extended by a year, we still knew within that cycle we'd still have the European champs, we'd still have the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. So it was just about looking at the calendar, putting everything for putting everything a year into the future and still trying to train to the best of our abilities. Luckily, the support we the support we still got was really good. So we could still, you know speak to our coaches via the phone you know and we could record our sessions and they could 
view it back and look for it for a video. Of course, it's not the same, of course, but um, it's just it, last year was just about finding ways to try and train to the best of your ability. And then um, luckily, when um, things got a bit better, we could go back onto the track and train again. But yeah, with fair few weeks um, were difficult for quite a few athletes. But um, I think so many people just found the best ways to overcome it. And um, it really helped our performance in Tokyo. Sammy, how, how did you overcome that that sense of, you know, uh, everything just being quite uncertain? I mean, that couldn't have helped very much when you're trying to focus on an ultimate goal of, of winning medals. Yeah, of course. Like Tom said, it was it was difficult when we didn't have, we weren't able to train with our training partners and we didn't have tracks. And um, yeah, it was a lot of, um, for me, rollers inside and doors and getting out on the roads when I can and when I had somebody that would able to, it was able to go on the bike with me. Um, but yeah, just like Tom, I guess it's, it's having, just looking into the future. Uh, for me, I, I get really nervous um, about racing. So I like to make sure that when I'm on that start line, I know that I am as best prepared as possible. Um, so the way I do that is, you know, when you wake up some mornings, it's raining, it's freezing and you don't really want to go outside. It's like, well, if I don't train today, all my other competitors are. So when I'm on that start line, I may, may as well take a step back and I don't want to take a step back. I want to line up alongside them, look along the line and know that I deserve to be there because I've trained just as hard as, as everyone else. And that always makes me feel a bit better. So that kind of makes me want to push that a little bit harder and uh, get up when it's freezing or when you don't really know what's lying ahead. Um, I just tell myself that everyone else is getting up today. And if I want to be the best, then um, I have to get up and train. And, and I'm, yeah, like Tom says, I'm, I'm, we're lucky and, I love what I do and I can't believe that I get to do what I do every single day. And um, that makes it obviously so much easier as well to do it. Majid, I mean, we're talking about CQ drive and, and motivation in that, um, you know, you need to be inherently motivated to work and relate effectively with others. Um, but not everyone loves what they the, the idea of doing that. I mean, do you have any any tips really to, to motivate people to to work and relate effectively with others and digging deep and finding it within themselves to have that curiosity and desire to to be different? Yeah, I guess it's why a lot of people, in my opinion, just kind of just can't get themselves to do it, is a lot of people tend to focus on the what they need to do and how they need to do it, and not really focusing on the purpose or having that deeper purpose of like, why is it that they need to do what they do or they're doing what they're doing kind of thing. So for me, it's always just a case of trying to understand and have a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose of what, you, what you're doing, like why you're doing what you're doing. And as well, it's... Um, I don't know, for me, just the ways I kind of keep motivated is and having some sort of plan because it's, of course, having the vision, it's all really important stuff, but without making an actual, I'm not, I'm, and I don't necessarily mean writing a plan in my head of just actually just having some sort of concrete roadmap to achieving what it is that I was, that instantly keeps me motivated because it means that I can see each task as small bits rather than just trying to at times feeling a bit overwhelmed and everything, but also just having like stuff like having accountability partners and that can take the forms of just having the friends, colleagues, could be a coach, whatever it is kind of, but just somebody, because it is always easier to achieve goals when you're working with somebody else or you're working as part of a team or you, you so our accountability partner, whatever, but it's just when it's kind of, when you're doing it by yourself, that's why a lot of like entrepreneurs and self-employed people have, have a hard time actually trying to, motivate themselves because nobody's gonna 
say like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Like, or why? So it's just, and uh, yeah, working within a team is also, I find really, really important. Or just finding like-minded people, even if you're not part of an actual team, just being around or just engaging with people who are in the same situation is that can really understand the struggles that you're going through is, is, is really, really important. Uh, so, so far, we've got had amazing advice from these three people. Um, so finding the purpose of, of wanting to work and relate uh, effectively with others is definitely the one way. Breaking down tasks. So to do a little bit at a time. Um, focusing on long-term goals uh, so that you can uh, uh, look at, you know, that's that's the reason why it's worthwhile and, and finding, you know, that purpose in those goals. Uh, and being with others and having that accountability uh, definitely ways to, to to motivate yourself and imagine just to, to come back to you you know your your personal story of 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 overcoming barriers share share a bit of that with us <laughs> uh, overcoming barriers like it's sometimes I put my own barriers in place sometimes other people put in barriers but it's like in, in anything in life when you're trying to really excel in something or you're trying to change your community or change the world or change yourself or whatever, there's always going to be barriers, but basically personally for me, whether that be like resources, whether that be dealing with racism, whatever it is, it's like I've always basically had different, even at times it literally just could be, um, even your own friends and family, like that people that mean well, but basically that don't understand what it is that you're trying to do or uh, uh, can put barriers in your way. Sometimes people just don't, just don't like what it is that you're doing or just feel as if like, or people just don't like change. Like in terms of like a lot of the work I'm doing at the moment is people are just stuck in their own ways and stuck in traditions and they're just very fearful of stepping out of their comfort zone and challenge the status quo and be like, no, we know it's always been done like this, but we need to do things a bit differently kind of things. And at, at times as well, like people just can be stuck in their own ways, tradition. I always say like, Tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Mm. And, and and it really is, but it's just about questioning those and kind of really having thick skin and really just, I think it's also just knowing yourself and um, allowing yourself to persevere. Mm, knowing yourself. I mean, Sammy, presumably to be uh, exceptional and, 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 and to, to achieve and, and to be able to, to overcome difficulty, you have to really know yourself. Would you say you, you really know yourself? Yeah, uh, I think I'm definitely starting to know and I definitely think that it's something that you can keep getting to know yourself even more because you definitely change. You know, I would have said at 18 I knew myself, but I'm not the same as I was when I was 18 years old. So I definitely think that it takes experience to know yourself. Um, I think now, um, honestly, I remember when I was 18 and that you just worry so much about what people are thinking and everything like that. And I remember my mum always saying, you won't worry about that when you get older, but it's, it's so true, you know, you get older and you do start to become aware and start to become confident and this is the person I am and this is the person I want to be and you don't so much let the others, other people bother you or people that don't think you're doing the right thing or being the right person. Um, yeah, I definitely think that it's really important to, to know yourself and know what your goals are and the person, the kind of person you want to be and how you're going to reach them goals through being that kind of person. If I can ask you, Majid, uh, you motivate others. There's no doubt about it. You're very motivational. Um, how do you do that? What do you do to try to motivate others into action, whether it be in their communities or, or, or the environment or anything else? 
Right, I think first and foremost, it's uh, leading by example. And for me, really, really kind of, because um, I find it difficult to be tell, like trying to inspire people or telling people how they should do things if I'm not doing it myself kind of thing. So it's leading by example is really, really important. But also really just kind of like just involving people from the get-go and is really, really important. Like appreciating they're making them feel valued and that they can make a difference and they actually have got the ability. Because a lot of times people might kind of not believe in themselves or kind of really doubt themselves or doubt their place or their ability to actually achieve something or to actually bring about whatever change that they're kind of looking for. So it's also kind of inspiring them, appreciating them, but also really just challenging them as well, I kind of find, because kind of soon to come to find out that we, we're all capable of more than that we actually think that we are, that, that we can basically. So it's just really kind of also challenging people. But also I find that it's building a relationship and knowing that person because everybody's different. Certain things and work on certain people. So it's really important that and to motivate other people that you kind of have to know them. That's a really, really interesting and useful point, because um, one of the ways that I find particularly useful when trying to build CQ drive with individuals is to understand what are their values and what are their strengths and to use those, you know, using sort of actual tools to identify what those things are and use those to try to push people forward to motivate them okay you want to work and relate effectively with others you say that your strength is personal responsibility how are you going to use that to take you forward or you say your value is making a difference in the world well how how can you use that particularly uh, as well and and sammy you you obviously found yourself in a, a very difficult situation where suddenly you did didn't have use of your legs um and presumably now that you're you're out there you know um winning medals that must be quite a great story to tell others yeah and it's something that i am um, i really enjoy doing is speaking to to kids and to adults um in completely different ways kids just letting them ask the questions breaking down them bar barriers and telling them that you know nothing can stop you and trying to you know make them feel that you know to be, I guess, to motivate kids and to make them think that you know they're, they're that they're unstoppable because as a child you should feel like that, um, and then for adults it's again breaking down the barriers and getting them to understand that I can still do this and I can still do that. And um, for me, I think I always try to show it as a um, anything can happen. You know, take the opportunities, enjoy your life, do the things that you want to do. Don't just wait till tomorrow. Don't just wait till tomorrow because. I'm sitting here living proof of like something you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. And, you know, my dad always, whenever I was little, um, me and my brother, he'd always, every day, my dad would say to us that life can be very long or life can be very short. So why would you want to spend any of that time doing something that you don't enjoy? And it's just, it's literally my dad would just be like, honestly, I don't care what you want to be when you're older. As long as you can wake up in the morning and you can say to me, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm working hard. Um, and yeah, I think that's really important. And I, yeah, I love being able to share my story and being able to tell people and be able to, for people just to ask me honestly anything they want to ask and hopefully understand um, and hopefully yeah, be able to motivate them to, to, to do what they want to do. Tom, what about you, you know, in terms of bringing other people on, on a journey with you to, to try to understand how to be better? Personally, I just, you know, just try and motivate people just in my 
every just like in my everyday life really you know so whether I'm like I'm speaking to people like online whether I'm you know going to like um, meet up in person and hopefully just um, through people speaking to me they can again ask me questions you know and just probably get to know me a bit better to be fair really. Certainly that sense of uh, that getting getting to know people seems to be a, a really key part of that. And, and when it comes to working and relating with those who are different from you, I think that might be a really key aspect to, to be able to embed a bit of um, CQ drive intrinsic motivation. Um, Majid, uh, when, when you're uh, thinking about, right, I've got I've. I've got this big crowd. I've got a big event coming up. Uh, I, I've got to. I've got to inspire this group. What sort of thought process goes through your mind in order to inspire others? I think it's first of all just knowing and understanding the audience, and that for me is is, is really really important. And it's also just generally being really authentic and speaking from the heart. Because of course we can all speak in platitudes and kind of come prepared with do this, do that kind of thing. But I think nothing really beats just speaking honestly speaking authentically and just kind of really speaking out and that's what and also just speaking from real life issues and not something so distant far away that people can't see themselves doing or kind of feeling that like they would never be part of that kind of thing if you could give people one piece of i want you all to think about this one piece of advice to you know when when things are tough you know, they've, they've, they've got, they're having real difficulty. So in, in, in my mind, you know, you've got to go and have a meeting with a group of people you just really don't like. You don't know why you don't like them, but you don't like them. How would you advise, I'm going to start with you, Majid. I'm asking this question really slowly so you have time to think. How would you advise them to really find that motivation in themselves so that they can have a great conversation, work through any kind of difficulty, discomfort that they get. Magic. Is this in relation to like meeting a group of people that just disagree with people that I don't like and knowing that I have to work with them? Yeah, out that exactly. Situation? It's, we're all going to encounter people that we don't like. Like it's family at times, friends, but but you know, it's, you know, it's, even with work, whatever it's, if I'm going to room people which I just absolutely despise, I try to put that to a side as difficult as it can be and just really focus on what it is that I need to do and the bigger, try to like just focus on the bigger picture basically. And even though, which is when I'm engaging, I'll just try and get all of us to kind of focus on the, the main tasks that we all kind of share that because even 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 the people that I disagree with or there are shared commonalities that we both kind of want that we all want and it's kind of just really focusing on those kind of things that that we kind of share and that we're all trying to achieve rather than and the fact that we don't like each other because so-and-so said so-and-so about you kind of thing but and it, it can't it, it really can be diff difficult but it's um yeah, just trying to focus on what matters. So that that idea of let's focus on the bigger picture here. What are we all trying to achieve? We have more in common than than breaks mm. us apart. Uh, to to quote Joe Cox, um, Sammy, <laughs> coming to you next. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Ledger's pretty got it. Uh, I think that would be what I would do. I'd probably try and go with the plan of what I would want to say, so I don't get distracted by anyone, or don't get distracted by any other thoughts. Um, 
what I need to say, what I need to get across. Um, and yeah, I, I guess there's always something that you can relate with some someone. Um, and I feel like you can just put put some things to the side and make sure that yeah, whatever you're trying to achieve, you do achieve and, and put your personal feelings to the side. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the can best. I just to come do. in just in, just on top of what Samantha's kind of basically said. Also, I just think it's um, it's really really important that you like before I would kind of go into a meeting or just meet people like that, I, I always think it's important to try and have an understanding, even though I might disagree with them, of where they're coming from, basically, where they're mm-hmm. rooted in, basically. Just so then when we are kind of discussing and talking, I'll be able to show a bit more empathy and more likely things will kind of like, people's attitudes will kind of change along and stuff. And it's also just knowing that nobody's got monopoly on truth or the best ideas kind of thing. And it's just also understanding that we're all fallible but fundamentally, we all are trying to get behind what it is. But also as well, it's like the more like research or better understanding I have of the other people, the more I'd have better arguments, the more I can prepare and um, of what I would say or what I'd contact or how I can strategize kind of thing. That's a really mm-hmm. key part of being culturally intelligent is that piece before the action is CQ strategy. And we'll have more on that next week. So finally, Tom, you know, if, if you had to to face a, a room of, of of those people you don't really, really like, maybe you'd been taking the mickey out of you, something like that. I mean, how how would you how would you motivate yourself to to go and do that? I think I've got um I think my attitude was, would just be, you know, about to try, you know, and just, um, if you can enjoy it, enjoy it. And if, and just, if you unfortunately can't enjoy it, still try and do it to the best of your ability. I think Magic and Sammy really explained their points well and are correct, you know, and yeah, I just think to also just try, you know, and um, enjoy it if you can. And if, yeah, if you unfortunately can't enjoy it, just try your best to do it to the best of your capability. Well, certainly those points about planning, thinking about, you know, there, there is more in common than, than takes us, uh, brings us apart is, is definitely a key part of being able to work and relate effectively with people who are different from you. It's been amazing to have Majid Majid, Tom Young and Sammy Kinghorn. Thank you so much to you uh, for joining us. You're listening to Reba Radio, real inclusive, brilliant action. 